Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Hey, everybody. I'm Logan Camden. I'm Carson Brabber. And this is Nerd Sesh. No! Oh, my God. How could he do that? Charles Darwin. Welcome everybody back into Nerd Sesh. Today, we're going to be talking about Kobe Bryant again because obviously this is something that the NBA has not moved on from really much at all. And we talked some basketball on Wednesday, but since we are a sports history podcast, we figure we might as well acknowledge a sports legend in this episode. So today, we're going to be talking about eight of Kobe Bryant's greatest moments ever. Logan, what's the first one you got for us? So the first one I've got to talk about, Carson, is the 2010 NBA Finals against the Boston Celtics. And the one thing I remember from this series, Carson, is the end of it. Mm-hmm. Kobe was having a miserable game mm-hmm. in Game 7. He was 6-24 of from the field. Mm-hmm. He still had 23 points. But going down the stretch, it was a very tight game. And I remember Ron Artest afterwards in the press conferences. Kobe passed me the ball. Mm -hmm. Kobe passed me the Mm -hmm. ball. Kobe passed me the ball. He's so ecstatic because Kobe never passed to him. And finally, in the big moment when Kobe's having a bad game, he kicks it over to Ron Artest in Game 7. And Ron Artest, to the chagrin of Phil Jackson, bangs a three-pointer. And I think you could really argue that even though this wasn't Kobe's best series ever, it might be the defining series of his mm-hmm. career because not only do you have the Lakers Celtics dynamic, you have the revenge dynamic. And now this is the one that puts him over Shaq. And on the series as a whole, he averaged over 28 a game, 28.6, eight and four led the series in scoring in six of the seven individual games. And you mentioned game seven where he is famous for shooting six of 24, but he did end up adjusting, stopped shooting as much when he realized he didn't have it, have it grabbed 15 rebounds and got to the line 15 times. So was still able in really a tough defensive, slowed down physical game. He was still able to really impact the game, even if his shot wasn't falling at all. And think about the talent that they went up against in that series. Don't get me wrong. I know the Lakers had a pretty dominant squad. You have Pau Gasol, you have Artest, and then you have Kobe, along with some other very talented players. But the Celtics were tough back then, man. Ray Allen, Paul Pierce, KG, and Rondo were, I don't know, when when I was a kid, that was the dynasty, I thought, because... I was young, and I thought one championship meant a dynasty mm-hmm. with all that talent. But to go up against that squad and win is a major accomplishment. And I think you could really argue that Kobe winning back-to-back titles with the supporting cast is one of the most impressive feats in NBA history. Because Powell is the second-best player. Powell is very good, but 
Back-to-back titles is a mini dynasty. Not that many teams in history have won back-to-back titles. Carson, do you think this is the worst supporting cast to win back-to-back titles? Well, I'm trying to think about teams that have won back-to-back titles. So the Rockets stick out to me. Mm -hmm. Um, Of course, you know, you have the likes of Otis Thorpe being, I think, the second-leading scorer on that team, Kenny Kenny the Jetsmith. They had nice supporting players, Robert Ory. Vernon Maxwell, but it was really Akeem and a bunch of guys. They also won in a Jordanless NBA, though. So I think that that takes away from it a little bit. When you're looking at Kobe, he's still going up against prime LeBron. Um, The Magic were awesome, and obviously he handled them pretty easily. And this Celtics team that a lot of people thought was going to win multiple titles, even if they were all in the back end of their prime, maybe even just outside of their prime. So I think that this may not be his supporting cast in the Rockets might have been about equivalent. And Gasol was actually probably better than the number two, actually definitely better than the number two on those Rockets teams. But those Rockets teams were deep. I just think Kobe had to go up against different competition, especially with the Celtics team. So I think it's really one of the incredible accomplishments of his career, even though it was flawed. It was huge as far as changing the NBA landscape and impacting NBA history. Mm-hmm. Let's move on to Kobe's probably breakout postseason moment. After their first title in the 2001 playoffs, when the when the Lakers went 15 and one at 22 years old, Kobe averaged 29.4, 7.3, and 6.1 on 47 percent from the field in one of the most dominant playoff runs ever. And of course, the three peat will be remembered for Shaq's mind blowing finals performances. But in this playoffs, and especially up into the finals, Kobe was basically Shaq's equal. Well, and of course, the Lakers needed Kobe to break out. He had been on, you know, limited minutes and he was a very young player just starting out, but he grew into his own through, you know, sheer hard work and determination and it paid off. I don't think Shaq gets through if Kobe does not reach these upper echelons of ability. I think that that's a fair case as remarkable as Shaq was. He probably needed his number two, but especially to reach this level of dominance. Let me ask you this, Carson. If Shaq and Kobe could have put their differences aside, how many championships do you think each man ends up with? I think they probably only get one or two more because if you look at Shaq's first season he left, that was still basically peak MVP level Shaq. The year after that, He wins a title in Miami, but only averages like 13 a game in the finals and is really not the same. And then from then on, you're getting a borderline all-star level guy. So I don't know if that's quite enough. And I think Kobe ended up being fine with Powell as a number two and, you know, getting Odom and those other supporting guys in there. I want to point out one stretch that Kobe had in in this postseason run, which is just incredible. So in game four against Sacramento and game one against the Spurs, by the way, sweeping these Kings and Spurs teams is really, really pretty incredible. He dropped 48 in 48 minutes and then dropped 45 in almost 47 minutes along with 16 boards and 10 boards in those two games respectively that's just incredible for a 22 year old to do on that scale there aren't many guys that have done that that early in nba history was that an overtime game or did he not come off the floor let's check it he never left the floor (laughs) he played exactly 48 minutes in a regulation game that's insane that's unbelievable Look to at close how much, out the Kings. I mean, we see a lot of teams shorten their rotations as we get into the playoffs to give better players more minutes. Mm-hmm. The bench gets 40 minutes off of two guys in yeah. Robert Ory and Brian Shaw. Basically played seven guys. That's crazy. Yeah. So I think that this is the first version of Pete Kobe we see with that dynamic athleticism, with the killer instinct, with obviously the all-time shot making and doing it on the biggest stage. So felt like we had to shout that one out. Let's move on to one that I think has become really part of basketball lore. Kobe, in 2013, tears his Achilles against the Warriors late in the game and comes back into the game, 
hobbles over to the free throw line and makes both free throws to tie the game up at 109 with three minutes left for his 33rd and 34th points of the night. An incredible demonstration of his will to win. And also, I think somewhat tragically, I think that's the last time we ever really saw quasi-peak Kobe because he was still great that season. That's what I was going to say is I think this was the dropping, the the fall-off point for Mm -hmm. Kobe. I mean, we were still getting 2010 prime Kobe. He's putting up all kinds of points. And you think, man, if the Lakers can just get another guy, maybe we could see another title in LA. And of course, after this, it was a major drop-off. Yeah, and this is part of the reason why, you know, people cite a torn Achilles as being the most devastating injury for basketball players. Kobe is part of that legacy going back to, you know, the Elton brands of the world. Kobe Kobe really fell off, but this season at 34 averaged 27, 6, and 6. Unbelievable. And within this individual game, had 34. And then unfortunately comes back and, you know, doesn't play all that consistently over his final three seasons and really struggles to shoot from the field, but... This Kobe was still exceptional at 34. And also, the supporting cast around Kobe, even at this time, was poor. Yeah. They they tried to throw some pieces together. And when Kobe went down, we figure we can get some supreme talent back into L.A., maybe a young guy that he can pass the torch to. And it really just didn't work out like that. Yeah, I think this is one of probably the last incredible Kobe season that we got. And this was an incredible display of will. How many people... Clay Clay came back out to shoot after he tore his ACL, which was really pretty incredible in this past finals. But those two dudes are two of the ultimate winners and just warriors of all time. No, Carson, you're exactly right. It's a testament to his will and the character of himself on the basketball court and off to go back up to that free throw line and stay in the game after. I mean, I can't imagine walking, let alone yeah. moving. I would have just laid on the floor. And to knowingly sacrifice your body, too. I mean, obviously the damage has been done for the most part, but it can't be great to just keep walking on a torn Achilles. No. It's got to be excruciating pain, too. So that was Kobe. That was the kind of stuff he did. Another thing Kobe did was single-handedly dominate the NBA for a single season as a scorer of the basketball. And that goes back to the 2005-06 season when Kobe averaged the most points per game since Michael Jordan in the 86-87 season, averaged 35.4, 5.3, and 4.5 on 45-35-85 splits. And you could argue that even though this wasn't the best Lakers team, even though this wasn't year he won a championship or even an MVP, that this was the best season of Kobe's career. Carson, Kobe had 27 40-point games this season. Yeah, and there were two entire months he averaged over 40 points per game. January averaged 43.4 points per game on 47-40-90 splits. April averaged 41.6 on 51-41-82 splits. And his team was winning games with a supporting cast. You ready for the next five leading scorers on this team? Sure. Lamar Odom, Smush Parker, Chris Mim, Brian Cook and Kwame Brown, and they won 45 games and they pushed the Suns, a dominant Suns team, a Suns team that would make it to the Western Conference Finals that year, to seven games. And even though Kobe, you know, was highly criticized actually for that game seven because people said he shot too much, so he only shot three times in the second half, he scored 50 in game six of that series. So what do you want the guy to do? This is genuinely one of the greatest scoring seasons we've ever seen. And up until hard in these past two seasons, for the 21st century, it was the scoring season for not just guards, but all NBA players. Running the numbers here, they were 18-9 and when he scored 40 points, which means they were a 500 team if he didn't go off. I mean, that just is a testament to 
how bad the cast around him was. Yeah, and we have some of the all-time Kobe individual performances in this season. Of course, the 62 points in three quarters versus the Mavs and the 81-point game, which we will be talking about later in its own respect. But I just remember up until Harden last season, always looking at that and thinking, wow, how can a guy average 35 a game in a season? Because it was Jordan and it was him for modern basketball. And then you go back to Wilt and that was it. Not to get off topic here, Carson, but... And Elvin, and Elgin Baylor did it once. Do you think that kids today are going to look at James Harden the way that we looked at Kobe? No, because so much about Kobe was the beauty of the game. And also so much of Kobe was being there in the biggest games and having that killer instinct and that ultimate will to win. And Harden, as of now, doesn't have the title. He doesn't have a trip to the finals as the main guy. And is also not nearly as beautiful to watch, even though I think Harden is extremely genius. I think a lot of people disagree with me and just flat out don't like watching him. Because I was, I ask myself anytime I look at James Harden numbers and I ask, how can a guy average 37 a night? Yeah. And then you look back at these old Kobe years and say, Kobe could do it. And also Kobe could win. And Kobe did it in such a difficult way because with the knowledge we have now, the fact that he's doing so much of this from mid-range, mid-range. it's unbelievable. And I have to say, watching Kobe highlights is really awesome because he's he's scoring out of the high post. He's hitting mid-range pull-ups all the time, and it's this beautiful shot that I don't think anyone will ever shoot as well as he does again. You know, Kawhi's a great mid-range shooter, but he doesn't have it like Kobe had it because guys just don't practice that shot as much. Well, I think it's a little more... Uh symbolic of the times. You think of the Kobe shot and I think of a fadeaway from the elbow. You think of Dirk Nowitzki and I think of a fadeaway from the elbow. I think it's Tim Duncan. Yeah. Bank uh, from the elbow. Yeah. I think it's probably closer than the elbow actually. Shout out Tim Duncan. I've heard he's hit uh, 50 game winners with that bad boy. 50. Yeah. Not too shabby. Um, But I think it's just symbolic of the era because nowadays, Carson, what do you think of when you think of a Steph Curry shot? I think of a three off the dribble. Exactly. Well, well put. Okay, I mean, you want me to give some more examples? You have James Harden, a step back three. It's yeah. just, it's more symbolic of the era that uh, Kobe did all of this damage from mid-range. And like you said, well, you know what? I think Kobe could have become one of the greatest three-point shooters of all time purely if, you know, we had the knowledge of what we know now. Yeah. Kobe would have worked his butt off on shooting a three ball. Yeah, he did shoot a bit of a line drive, which just makes it a little bit harder to shoot from three, but... I mean, you know, Kawhi does it. Kawhi's a pretty darn good three-point shooter. So Ray I, Allen did it. That's true. Ray Allen did do it. So, uh, yeah, I think I think we all agree that with Kobe's work ethic, he would not have trouble shooting from three if he understood. Just like how Michael Jordan, you know, that's why it's not a criticism mm-hmm. against Michael Jordan that he shot 33% from three because if he was playing now, he'd shoot 40% and yeah. he'd be one of the best three-point shooters in the league. Um, let's move on to another postseason accomplishment from Kobe. The 2009 Finals, part one of that repeat, when he averaged 32.4, 5.6, and 7.4, had 40 in game one, then 29, 31, 32, and 30, so didn't have less than 29 points in any of these games, and led four of those five games in overall scoring. So between the 2009-2010 Finals, he led 10 of 12 total games for both teams in scoring, which is just remarkable on 43, 36, 84 splits, and this was... The moment where it was, oh, wow, Kobe can really do it without Shaq. Yeah, I think this was my second or first uh, in. Yeah, I think it was the second finals I really paid attention Mm -hmm. to and watched. And I wasn't rooting for Dwight just because 
I don't know, man. That Magic squad was really weird. It was a really strange team to watch mm-hmm. make the finals. You mm-hmm. have Jameer Nelson and Rashard Lewis along with uh, Dwight Hito. Yeah, they were good though. Yeah, they had some. They had some bombers on that squad. I used to think Jameer Nelson was a top tier point guard for like the next five years of my life. More All Star appearances than Mike Conley. And Devin Booker now. And Devin Booker now. That's hard to think about. Yeah. Uh, but Kobe was my man even back then. And we, we've said it a million times before, but this supporting cast is insane. That Kobe could do this in a cutthroat West mm-hmm. with Pau Gasol, Lamar Odom, Trevor Ariza, Derek Fisher, Andrew Bynum. And then off the bench, you got Luke Walton and Jordan Farmar. Yeah. I mean, Kobe willed this team to victory. Yeah, and I think also sometimes we even remember those guys as better than they were because they were part of those Kobe teams. I mean, if you think about for a modern day team to win a title with the equivalent of Lamar Odom as their third best player, that'd be incredible. That'd be absolutely incredible. And the only parallel we even have to something like that is actually what Kawhi did with the Raptors last season mm-hmm. where Van Vliet's your third best player and, you know, he wasn't a borderline all-star and neither was Odom. So, it's an, it's an incredible demonstration of Kobe's will to win and also of just his individual greatness. The fact that he was able to do this also averaged seven and a half assists per game for the series. Like he just dominated. And this is one of the most dominant versions of Kobe we ever got. This was decisive and this was definitive. And this was I'm an all time great. And you can't take that away from me. Yeah, I also have to say, though, I think Dwight disappeared a little bit during the series. Um, didn't score as much. Wasn't as dominant in the paint. But in this series, I didn't really see any defenders that could hold Kobe in any individual game. What, what is is Hidu going to lock him up? I don't think the plan was for Hidu to lock him up. I'm going to be honest with you. No, I mean, this is the thing. Kobe was unstoppable. And if Kobe was going to miss, it was going to be by his own will. And even if you doubled him, you couldn't stop him. You could make it harder, but he was still probably going to shoot. And there was a better chance than most that he was going to make it. He is, to me, the greatest difficult shot maker of all time in basketball history. And he got a lot of practice because he took a lot of tough shots. But he could hit anything. You yeah. can never count him out. And I know you've seen those graphics, Carson, of how many shots he took behind the backboard fading away. It's amazing to look at. Too many, probably. But it's fun. <laughs> it's very fun. I think it's why a lot of kids idolize him. Why, why do you run out in your backyard and you just chuck up a one-legged... 40-foot shot. Yeah. Kobe Bryant. Yeah. No, it's true. He made the impossible seem possible a lot of the times. Another thing that should have seemed impossible, but Kobe actually did. In the 06-07 season, he scored 50-plus points in four straight games. Went 65-50-60-50 in four close wins where they needed all of it. Over the four games, 56.3 points per game on 54-52-93 splits. Then the streak ended when he only scored a lowly 43, and then two games later, he scored 50 again. It's just, I think that this stretch in this season sometimes get lost when compared to the 05-06 season, but he still averaged almost 32 a game this year. You know, Carson, I was thinking about the last two seasons and what we've seen from James Harden. I was fairly confident that Harden had done something like this, but it's the longest streak outside of Wilt. If you are in any conversation with Wilt Chamberlain for scoring, you are a bona fide legend. And of course, Kobe is. But it's crazy to think about that no one else has done this outside of Wilt Chamberlain and Kobe Bryant. And Wilt was the most physically dominant player, probably compared to his era, probably even more than Shaq. Mm -hmm. Because Wilt, you know, ran Olympic level track, had a 40 plus inch vertical, was 7-1. Like, it just didn't make sense for his era. Whereas Kobe... 
as far as all-time great players go, is not, you know, some outstanding athlete. He did this from the perimeter in large part. And yeah, he got to the rim like like a wild man, but it's mid-range. And it's just, it's incredible that he just kept going back and through the exhaustion, just kept scoring. You know, Carson, that's actually a very good point. You think about some of the great scorers in basketball history and they're, most of them are physically imposing. You have you know Carl Malone, six nine, mm-hmm. huge Shaq, strong, super strong for Malone. Yeah, the uh, Shaq, the most physically imposing big man I think ever. And then you mention Wilt Chamberlain, mm-hmm. one of the greatest athletes on top of having size for his era and ability. And then you take a look at guys like Kobe, and they're six foot six, two hundred pounds. Yeah, and they can just light you up because they have all this touch and not even. You know, young Kobe was very athletic, but he was never even Jordan athletic. I mean, Jordan was the best athlete in the NBA. Tad on, you know, Kareem was 7'2". All of these guys were basically physically unstoppable, and Kobe is the exception to that with probably Larry Bird, and now there's a couple modern guys that are doing it from the perimeter, but... Of course, all these sites have been posting, and I know you've seen them, all these Kobe highlights, and they're so much fun to watch, where It's incredible to watch. Pump fake right, pump fake left, jab step, and then turn... 270 degrees around and put up a three and just buries it. No. And and it literally, it doesn't make sense. And I don't think we'll ever see anyone that plays basketball that way again. His willingness, part of the genius, especially when you're talking about highlights, when you only see the good stuff, part of the genius was his willingness to just hold on to the ball and get a shot no matter what. Because with his level of skill, some incredible things were bound Mm -hmm. to happen. And so he has more shots like that where you're just like, how? How did that happen? He probably has more shots like that than anyone in NBA history, I would say. Well, and I think that's why the younger generation, I think us, I think it's why it was so easy to attach to Kobe Mm -hmm. because you you said it earlier, he just made things that seemed impossible possible. Yeah. And he did them almost with regularity, Mm -hmm. which is absurd. And this is maybe his most impossible achievement of all. And the, the, the one that we have left to go is also in this conversation. But for a second to last greatest Kobe moment, we have the 81 point game. Against the Toronto Raptors in that 05 06 season, went 28 for 46, 7 of 13 from the field, 18 of 20 from the line, 28 points in the last 10 minutes, and 20 points in the last six minutes and one second. And of course, this is the second highest scoring game of all time. It's just unfathomable. And Also, the fact that he took 46 shots is pretty awesome because, you know, nowadays when you get something like Devin Booker's 70 point game, obviously he shot a bunch of times. I think he I think he shot like 40 times, but he also shot like 25 plus free throws. So Kobe's willingness to just keep going at people. And I mean, that's that's the theme of the day, right? Mm -hmm. He just kept going and he had this endurance as a scorer and this will to score the basketball no matter what that we've basically never seen before. Second leading scorer from this game was Smush Parker with 13 points, and they got five points from the bench. It's a great it's a great Smush performance. You know what I remember distinctly from this game, Carson? And it's not from this game per se, but mm-hmm. related to it. I remember the Jalen Rose-Kobe Bryant commercial with, um, I think Kobe asked for a martini or something in a bar, and he runs into Jalen Rose, mm-hmm. and the waiter comes up and says, how many uh, olives would you like? And he looks at Jalen, and he goes, 81. (laughs) I think Jalen has pretty actively combated the idea that he was on Kobe the whole game because there were a bunch of people guarding Kobe, and I don't remember who everyone was, but 81 points in a game. Will we ever see that again? You know, it's a a really good question because you look at a guy like Devin Booker who can get really hot, and the three-point line, 
I'm going to go with no Carson, and the reason is I don't think we're ever going to see someone like Kobe Bryant ever again in the NBA. Someone that will just continuously put up shots, will just hold on to the ball, that can play ISO like that. I don't think – and on top of that, not only do you have to put up a bunch of shots, you have to hit damn near everything. You just have to be on fire. And I think in today's NBA, the way the way we move the ball, I don't think we're going to see – an 81-point game ever again. So I think the guy you have to laser in on is James Harden because you're talking about, you know, a guy that will play ISO like that, a guy that will continue to go at people again and again. Harden is that guy. And especially with the addition of the three-point line, logically, it just makes it easier because if you get super hot, you know, if you make five difficult shots that don't make sense, that's 15 points from three versus 10 from two. So in that respect, you know, you think, okay, Harden hits – 15 threes one game and he hits 15 free throws and that gets you to 60 but he his career high is 61 so even the greatest score of this generation with the three-point line hasn't sniffed it and i think on top of that carson it has to be a perfect mix of everything you have to be the literally the only good player on your team that's true too and I think it's why you saw some of so so much of these dominant scoring performances from kobe was because as Kobe said himself, who's he going to pass the ball to? Yeah. Smush Parker? Yeah. No, Kobe had to do this to win games. And that's what I think another beautiful aspect of Kobe Bryant is. It's not like he shot like this because he wanted all these records. He did this because it was the best offense for his team. Yeah. And they won games when he played like this. And I think it's incredible that you look at Harden, who has averaged 36 a game in back-to-back seasons, even though he's going through the most brutal scoring slump mm-hmm. of probably his entire time in Houston that I can think of right now, he hasn't sniffed it. He is 20 points off from Kobe's 81. Is there anybody else in the league that you think maybe could get hot and go on a run? I don't. I think Harden is the best candidate by far because no one else, first of all, takes that volume of shots, takes that volume of threes, or takes that volume of free throws. And I think the, the key in the modern NBA is 15 threes, 20 free throws, and that gets you to 65. That gets you close enough. And I don't see anyone doing that besides Harden. That's why I think Devin Booker was almost a a perfect combination as well when he dropped his 70-point game. A terrible roster. Mm -hmm. No point guard. Mm -hmm. I mean, you have D-Book running the point spot, and I think that's exactly why it was perfect. It, It was a perfect mixture for him to drop 70 because he's the only offense for the Suns that year. And incredibly... Booker only had four threes in that game. What? How many free throws? 24. He was 24 of 26 on the line. But that's what... Devin Booker is the closest thing to a Kobe Bryant that we have right now. You think so? Okay, maybe I should take that back because he plays pretty differently because he's so versatile off the ball as well. And he's a guy that's willing to cut and come off screens for threes. But as he has the most Kobe-like skill set. I agree. Because of his ability to score out of the post, because of the fact that he's knocked down from mid-range, in that sense... He doesn't play like Kobe, but he could play like Kobe. And a plug in person, if you are ever in Phoenix, I implore you, go to oh a my Suns God. game. He's unbelievable. Like, he, he is, is unbelievable. I went to a game uh, during freshman orientation. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was against the Grizzlies, and I think he dropped 49. Mm-hmm. They might have lost that game, too. I Man, those, those Suns teams, and still, rough. But Devin Booker just didn't miss. Yeah. He would just go off a screen and have two guys jumping at him yeah. and just bang a three right in their mouths. I saw him just to go on about Devin Booker a little bit more. Earlier this year, or last year, now last calendar year, I saw him score 40 against the Sixers in a game that they won. And I think he was 
15 of 19 from the field or 16 for 20, some ridiculous efficiency. And it was like the most seamless 40 I've ever seen someone score. It's quick hitting. It's guys hit him and he just knocks it down right away or he's cutting or he scores out of the post. Like he could do it from everywhere. And that's why Devin Booker is one of my favorite basketball players to watch. But he's never scored 81. And I genuinely don't think anyone ever will again. And not to discredit Wilt because Wilt's 100-point game is incredible. I wish that Kobe had this record because to me, the 81 is more impressive than the 100. And I don't think it's that close. No, I I completely agree. Yeah. So let's move on to, I don't know if this is the greatest feat of Kobe's career. It is probably the most Kobe feat of Kobe's career. The 60-point game to end his career against the Jazz, where he wills them to a comeback victory, knocks the Jazz out of, of playoff contention. And I looked up some stats for the historical precedent and people who can compare to this performance at this point in their career. And of course, there's nobody. So of 37-year-olds, only Jamal Crawford and Michael Jordan have ever scored 50, and I think they scored 51 and 50. This one's insane, Logan. Of people in their 20th season, Kobe is the only person to ever score 25 points in a game, and he scored 60 in a game in his 20th season without parallel. And to give you the stats for the game, 22 of 50, 6 of 21 from 3, 10 of 12 from the line, And the Lakers were down eight with less than two minutes left. Kobe scores 15 in the last three minutes, eight seconds. And this is also incredibly one of the most Kobe shots he could have taken to give them the lead late. Takes a long two contested, like one foot inside the three point Mm -hmm. line. And it was beautiful. And it was all they only needed two, but it was just the most Kobe shot. And it's a shot that we will so rarely see in the future of the NBA. You know, I've heard people try to disparage the 60-point game because he shot so much, but I really don't understand the argument because, Carson, in Kobe Bryant's last game, I mean, Kobe has been around our entire, you know, basketball lives. Did you really want to see Jordan Clarkson go for 30? No. Did you want to see Roy Hibbert drop 10? I wanted to see Roy Hibbert drop zero. Yeah, classic Roy Hibbert move. Wow, he was on that team. He was on that That's team. That's weird to think about. But no, you wanted to see Kobe go off. That was the entire point. It was a, you know, yeah, it was a big farewell tour, and we knew this was coming, but Kobe didn't deserve anything less. He deserved everything he got leading up to this point. Well, and most incredibly, it was actually the winning strategy for them. Yeah. And, and he was at his best late because there were some points ugly early in the game where he was just missing everything. In that fourth quarter, he went berserk. And it was at the time when they needed it most. And even in a meaningless regular season game for the Lakers in a season in which they won, I think, 17 games and they were like the worst team in the NBA. That was so special to see from Kobe. And I'll say it one more time. No one else in their 20th season has scored 25 points in a game. Kobe scored 60. Come on, man. That's insane. And that is a testament to his status as outside of Kareem and Karl Malone. Maybe the most durable scorer of all time, a guy that was just gave buckets for basically two mm-hmm. decades. And uh, you talk about how they were down going into the fourth quarter. They were down nine, and then the they were down eight with less than two minutes left. The, and then the Jazz got outscored thirty-five to twenty-one in the fourth. Do we know how many Kobe had in the fourth? Uh, Kobe had twenty-three in the fourth quarter. That's just that's insane. You know what? It's just classic. It's a classic Kobe moment. That's what I'm saying. I think it's the most Kobe moment ever. Another Kobe moment that you wanted to talk about. So we'll call this Kobe's eight greatest moments plus one. Well, I definitely wanted to mention Matt Barnes pump fake. It's just such a classic video. Um, 
I mean, it's it's a big moment. You can you can put it in any context, and it's just hilarious. It shows the the these fearless. Yeah. Another, uh, I guess, Kobe plus two, the redeem team back in uh, mm-hmm. 08, the Olympics. I mean, that letdown against Argentina when Luis Scola and Manu Ginobili yeah. lit us up, and then the redeem team comes back out. I guess when. The the Olympics, we, we actually cared about it for basketball yeah. with some of the rosters even trotting out. Who do we have? We had Kobe, LeBron, D Wade, and I think Kobe Average. Mello. Yeah. We uh Kobe Chris Paul. I mean it was it was mm-hmm. a deep There's roster. Everyone. Um Kobe Average, I think, fifteen, six and two uh during that run, which is really solid numbers because nobody gets a whole lot of minutes out yeah. there. Um I don't know, just another couple uh Kobe moments. You got any more? Yeah. well I think back to Probably the defining first great moment of Kobe's career, that lob to Shaq in the game seven, game seven against Portland in 2000, when, you know, it looked remarkably in that first season where they made the finals run, like they were going to lose that series. They were trailing in, was it a 25 to four run or something Mm -hmm. that that capped off where they came back miraculously and it looked like they were left for dead. And it's also a beautiful moment because you have the unselfishness and you have the Kobe Shaq relationship which mm-hmm. you know there was always there was fractures there for a lot of the time and Kobe wasn't always known for passing but that's an awesome moment in which you see those two working together to get a win and you love to watch the elation on Shaq's face the arms yeah. pointing right back at Kobe yeah. smiling running immediately back to him do you think that was cuz you know Kobe just didn't pass <laughs> i i think it was probably because of the run probably because of the fact that they were yeah. going to the finals the, also it was a run on a fast break too. Just pretty cool. He had to lob it over what two defenders. Yeah, it's an awesome play. It's an it's it's an awesome moment and a good great call. I think it was uh, Bob Costas. Just a great moment. Uh, I hope you all have enjoyed our tribute episode of Nerd Sesh to Kobe Bryant. To wrap up, I have been Logan Camden. I've been Carson Braver, and this has been Nerd Sesh. Being a chef means keeping your cool in the kitchen. And with Resi Priority Notify and Global Dining Access through my Amex Platinum card, right this way, it's nice to try someone else's food for a change. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA.